This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. To catch up a little bit where we and lead into the lesson this morning, Moses had just uh, left Egypt, fleeing from people who wanted to get him for murdering someone into, in Egypt. And he fled and he was keeping a flock of sheep, I guess it was sheep, in Horeb, Mount Horeb which actually is Sinai, it's the same mountain. And he happened to be sitting there watching, all of a sudden a burning bush appeared to him. And he said, you know, as he got closer, he saw an angel appear in the bush. So it was not some little bush that was tinkling over on the side. He said, it was a big blaze. He said, the bush is not consumed. There's no heat coming from it. I'm going to go check it out. He made his way over and the closer he got, he saw the angel in it, but the voice came out, it was God, told him, take your shoes off, because you're standing on holy ground. And he did, and that's the story led up through, this was two weeks ago, a big lesson on it. He said, I want you to go deliver the Egypt, the Hebrews out of Egypt. Him and all about it, so he ended up going, and the exodus took place. And uh, so we're going to get here in Exodus. Let's see where I want to start. What we're going to lead into is the Mosaic Covenant followed the Abrahamic Covenant. The Mosaic Covenant is also known to them as the Sinaitic Covenant. Sinaitic Covenant. And it's between God and the Israelites, God and the Jews. There was a few proselytes with them that weren't Hebrew, but they traveled with them when the Exodus. And uh, okay, so I'm trying to find this. Let's go to Exodus chapter three, verse first, and we'll flip back to where it changes to Sinai. I just want to show you the, the two mountains are the same. And that's why that's the only reason I'm covering this verse. Chapter 3 of Exodus. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and the priest, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock on the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Now it's called the mountain of God. Now when they reached Canaan, you know, Moriah became the, the, the head site. We've already covered Moriah. But it said here, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in the flame. So it just shows you, you know, it wasn't, it was a big sight for him to, to see a burning bush on fire that wasn't consumed and an angel in it. That, that had to shock him. Shock, it, 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 I just can't imagine. It had to be somewhat fearful. Okay. So now we're going to flip back over to, let's go to chapter, okay. Okay, Moses led Israel on the way to the promised land. He reached Mount Sinai. There God made the covenant with Moses. And the Jews renewed the one that they had with Abraham. Because all through scripture talks about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The covenant. The, the 
multiplying with the seed. And that's where God gave him the Ten Commandments and it rules of government. Before there was no government, there was just, okay, if you kill a man, we're going to kill you. But this is the first time government laws was introduced into the nation. And this is where the law came into the Hebrews, to the Jewish nation. And even today, they're still following quite a bit of the law, some of the Orthodox. Okay, there's four elements of the Exodus, which we're going to cover a few of them here. The Exodus is, is the sealing of the Old Covenant between Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. The giving of the law, which some still hold. The covenant rituals and traditions. Okay. Let's go to uh, chapter 12 of Exodus. After the death angel, when the death angel came over Egypt and killed all the firstborn, everybody's real familiar with the story how anybody that was inside of their hut that had sacrificed and put the blood on the doorpost, anybody that was under the blood, the death angel passed over them. And they called that the Passover, and that feast is still recognized today. And we'll get into the significance of that here in a little while, but Passover means just that. You know, when you do, when in our life when we accept Christ, when the blood is applied into our heart, we're sealed eternally with that. So that when we come to God through Jesus Christ, He sees the blood. He looks over our transgressions. When we're right, when we get our sins confessed, once we're, once we're, we're solid, clean, we're never clean. Even the best that we can do is, is, is uh, the Bible calls it filthy rags, but in God's sight, the blood covers it all. And we can approach God and petition ourselves and, and, and have fellowship. That's, that's the main thing. We can have fellowship with Him. With sin in our life, we can't. He said, if we hide iniquity in our heart, if it's hidden, He's not going to hear us. He's not going to answer our prayers. And it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. We cannot, we can't sit there and, and fall on our knees and pray all these prayers to God, hiding stuff in our heart, because He's just not going to hear us and we, we're just wasting our time and our breath. And it's, 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 it's like somebody standing on the outside of that door right there. This is not part of the lesson. And, and, and I don't know who's out there. Could somebody get me a glass of water, please? And you're sitting there waiting for the water. I need some water. Well, somebody out there, please bring me a glass of water. I'm thirsty. They don't hear it. They can't hear it. But if you go and you open the door and you say, hey, could somebody please get me a glass of water? And this is how our prayer life is. When we, when we have that doorway open, we can reach God. The blood covers it all. What is it? <laughs> Isn't that something? Okay. So we're going to, uh, let's go. After that plague, verse 12, this is really important. Verse, chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. That's April. That's Abib. That's the month of April to them. That's why we even celebrate Easter to this day. And that, 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 uh, it's Passover. Speak ye unto all the congregation in Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month you shall take every one of them a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. 
But that's going to the blood sacrifice. That's putting the blood, blood on the doorpost. But to this day, you'll, you'll see as we get to it, he says, forever in your generations, you're going to honor this Passover. And uh, let's see. Let's go to verse 14. Well, let's go to verse 11. And, this, and, and talk about it. And this shall you eat with your loins girded and your shoes and your feet on you, the staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. That's talking, this particular verse is talking about the death angel coming through. But verse 14. Okay, let's go back to 13. And and the blood shall be unto you a token for upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Let me say something. When you stand before judgment and God at the judgment seat, no matter, we'll be judged for good and we'll be judged for the things that we've done in our bodies, whether it's good or bad. But you're sealed with the blood until the, I mean, even, I mean, you're just sealed. When he's, he's going to see that blood applied, you can't take it away. It's there. We're adopted into the family. I'm not going to get into the adoption. There's plenty of verses on that. Verse 14, and this day shall be unto you a memorial and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by ordinance forever. Now when we get to that later in the year, you'll see that uh, there are several feasts that are ordained by God that He commands all the Jews to come to, the, to, to Jerusalem and, and honor that feast and celebrate that feast and come there to it. And uh, this is part you know, of... of I don't want to go there because I'll be there for 20 minutes. Okay, and then the, then you got the Feast of Unleavened Bread that goes with that, but we're not going to go there. Let's go to Exodus chapter 19, and then we'll move pretty fast here, but i got some real good stuff I can't wait to get to. Let's go to Exodus chapter 19. I'm gonna have to once I get through this, I'm gonna have to back up to some other scriptures. But uh chapter nineteen. The third month when the children of verse one of chapter nineteen, the third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, that same day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. Sinai is Horeb, Mount Horeb. They didn't go up on the mountain, they were on the at the, at the base of the mountain, and this is where they were. And uh, you'll see from some of the pictures as we get to talking about how the tabernacle was, was, was set up, how the tabernacle was established, and how that fire at night and that cloud in the day led these Israels for 40 years. They were wandering for 40 years just finding it, and there are reasons for that. I mean, you would, you would think seeing a parted sea and walking across on dry land you wouldn't murmur and complain too much from, from worshiping a God that had the ability to do that. A pillar is a, a vertical structure that is set up and raised to hold something up. When it says he fought, that they fought, that the God himself followed, uh, led the, Israel, the Hebrews on a pillar of, in a cloud by day and on a pillar by fire at night. If you look at those pictures, you can see what that actually... Now, these are pictures that are sculptured out from history. You know, when it says in the Bible where 
So you can tell your generations from generation to generation what the Lord did for you. Well, these, nobody knows for sure because nobody today has seen that. But through, hey, tell your kids, hey, tell your kids, hey, tell your kids, and kids tell kids, and kids tell kids, and it goes down, and this is what it's described to these Hebrews even today, what they saw as their ancestors. And Exodus, uh, let's see, I want to do, uh, I lost that scripture. Hang on just a second. I want to find it because it's important leading up to the zone. Why I don't have it there? Ah, come on. Okay, here we are. Let's go back to Exodus. This this is pretty important too. Exodus chapter fifteen, verse twenty-two. They're 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 coming through the wilderness, heading to Sinai. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. This is verse twenty-two, and so they went into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Well, they had just come through a sea an ocean that had been parted and they came across and the Egyptians were following them and they saw the whole Egyptian army just slaughtered. All they had to do was just sit down and say, Moses, let's petition God and have some water. It's pretty much what they did. But what did they do? How did they do it? And when they came to Moriah, not not Moriah, Merah, verse 23, they could not drink of the waters of Mara for they were bitter Therefore, the name of it was Mara. And the people murmured. You see that? Why would they do that? It's just like a lot of times today. I wonder why the preacher wanted to do something like that. Why can't we do it this way? Why don't we do, you know, you, people are, are the same throughout all generations. They murmur and complain instead of being thankful that God let them wake up another day. And he cried, and let's see, what shall we drink? Verse 25, and he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree which he had cast into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. Therefore he made for them a, a statute and an ordinance there. He proved them. Okay. We're going to have to skip ahead to verse 2 of chapter 16. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel. Can you imagine what Moses had to go through? The whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. I'm not going to go cover all those scriptures, but hey, I, I just, I just think different, I guess, because I'm not in that situation. We can all say what we would do or say. Verse 12. Well, let's go to verse. Uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get going here in a minute. I always take start off slow. Verse eight of chapter sixteen. Moses said, "Let's see, verse uh, seven. And in the morning, when you see the glory of the Lord, for you He heareth your for that He heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are the what are 
And what are we that you murmur against us? This is Moses and Aaron. You'll see in the morning. You're not murmuring against me. You're not murmuring against the preacher. You're not murmuring. You're murmuring against God. You're murmuring against the Lord God, the provider. And Moses said, Ye shall, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread full, full, that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmured against him. For what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. So anytime you're not, even today in this house of the Lord, in this house of God, not just our church, but church-wide ministries, when people start complaining, I'm talking about the people that are doing it right, people that are serving God, people that are in the Word, people that get their message, pastors from the Lord. When people start complaining and murmuring, it's not against the man. They think that it is, but it's actually against God because God has anointed them. Okay, we're going to skip. We're going to get that's what he just gave them the Sabbath for rest. Okay, now we're going to skip up. I'm skipping this part here because we're going to jump back to that later. How they wanted water. They couldn't find water. And so Moses struck a rock and gave them water. We're going to cover that in a, uh, later, later on. How that rock, how it, Paul had said, the rock that followed them was Christ. How Christ was slaughtered on the cross and the Spirit came out. Well, this is a, that was a type of Christ when Moses struck the rock and the water came out. The first time he was told to strike it, the second time he wasn't. That's important. Okay. Verse 19. The third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day they came unto the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed. Now this is the same as Horeb. For they were departed from Rephidim, Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and were there Israel camped before the mount. Okay, Moses had led them right to the mount, right to the bottom of, of, of Sinai. And Moses went up unto God. See, Moses knew God was up there. He had already spoke to it. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain. See, we're, we're, we're deep in Mount Sinai now. Thus say it, thou shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagle wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all of the earth is mine. Okay, let's go to verse 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak and believe forever. And Moses told the words unto the people, unto the, unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go and prepare the people and sanctify them today. For tomorrow let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day, because the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people in Sinai. Now we went real deep into that last last time I taught about sanctifying yourself before you go approach God. You've got to clean yourself. You've got to get your garment spotless. You've got to, you got to get under the blood to petition God for anything. Then God will come down. He, he's not going to come down in, in, in fellowship with us if we're harboring iniquity. Okay. Then he goes and he offered, he gives them the, let me, let me keep going here. Verse 15. 
And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day, and come not unto your wives, and go. And it came to pass at the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain, the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood there near the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke therefore thereof ascended and the smoke of the furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. When the voice of the trumpet, there you go. That's interesting. We covered that a little bit too. You know, when, 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 and when the rapture takes place, it's going to be another trumpet. When the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake to God and answered him by voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai and upon the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went. Okay. I'm going to skip a little bit further, because I'm, I'm going to come back to the Ten Commandments later, not today. We're not covering them. Okay, there's three things I want to cover. Let's see, Exodus. Let's go to Exodus chapter 25. Something else happened on, on Mount Sinai. And this is where what's going to bring to the meat of the lesson today. This is really, really interesting to me anyway. The Ark of the Covenant. This is where it was built. Sinai is, a, is, is, is the burning bush, the Ten Commandments, the Ark of the Covenant. All these things happened on this one mountain, and that's the mountain of God, before they made their journey into Canaan. Okay, verse chapter 25, verse 1. I'm going to skip all the, the, the how it's made, but I'm going to get to what it's made of in a minute. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Every man that giveth willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. You, he doesn't want it if you're sitting there, oh boy, I can't afford it. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I ain't got this. I don't have this. I don't have, I can't do it. He wants a willing heart. And this is the offering of them that should be of them. Gold, silver, brass, blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. All these, all this material is going to be used to make the veil when they erect the tabernacle. We're getting into the, we're getting the, and that's another thing that's getting ready to come here in this lesson. It's going to be a tabernacle that is going to be erected. And the tabernacle is, is going to be for worship. It's a tabernacle where God can meet with us. And there's something about the tabernacle that, uh, verse, that's, that is fascinating to me. Verse, uh, eight of chapter 25. And let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. And we're going to cover some of that in the, in the, in the pictures I gave you. And she shall make an ark of shinum wood of two cubics and a half and the length thereof and a cubic and a half and the breadth thereof and a cubic and a half the height thereof. So the, the ark, the ark itself, what is <laughs> There it is. It's right at 52 inches long. It's almost four foot. Three and a half foot long, 31 inches high, 31 inches wide. That's the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, 
inside of the covenant today, or we don't know where it is today, what they ended up putting in it is the Ten Commandments. They ended up putting in it as the budding rod of Aaron. And that's another lesson which, which we'll cover soon. The budding rod of Aaron, what there was, it was 12 tribes of Israel. Each one had a rod. And they set them up at the, at the tabernacle. And God said, the one that buds, which was Aaron's, we'll, we'll talk about that. The one that buds, he's going to be the head high priest. He's going to be the leader. And so they all looked back and said, and looked at him, and Aaron's bud, you'll see in later in Scripture, how it blossomed out and even almonds were growing on it. It's, it was almost like a tree. So Aaron became the, high, the, the priest and in the, in the sons of Aaron, the Levites. That rod that budded was put into the Ark of the Covenant. A bowl of the manna was sealed and plaited over with gold and put into the Ark of the Covenant. So those three things, when they went forward, that was God's way of providing everything for them. Government, food, the Holy Spirit. Okay. Let's go to uh, verse 15. The staves shall be the, in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. A stave is just a big old golden, solid gold ring where, where sticks can go through so that anybody that touched that ark instantly died. So that the priests could carry the ark wherever they went. When they went forward, that was the power of God. It just totally annihilated any army that stood in the way. Verse 16, Thou shalt put the ark of the testimony that I, which I shall give thee, and thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. We're going to cover that too. But I want to cover the tabernacle itself. Next week I'll have a video. I won't have a, I don't have time to, to put the video on today. But, uh, let's go to, well, let's, let's cover it real quick. Let's go to Hebrews chapter nine. So you see, I'm just not shooting off the hip. I want to, I like to back scripture with what I'm saying. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 23. And then we'll jump back to here. Hebrews nine, verse 23. Let's see. It was therefore necessary to, that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified against the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, but are true figures, but are figures of the true, but in heaven itself now to appear before in the presence of God. So what? Once Jesus Christ died, he came, he became the high priest. He took, he took the, uh, the Levite's place. And he is the high priest. There's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Okay. We're gonna cover back, jump back real quick. Ephesians chapter 13. I'm bouncing around here, but I'm gonna get to that tabernacle. I'm trying to, to skip through and get there as fast as I can. Hebrews, I mean, Exodus chapter 13. Again. Okay, 13, verse 21. Wait a minute, I might have got that wrong. Let's see. 13. Oh, no wonder, that's 14. Okay, chapter 13, verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day 
in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by during the day. And he took not the pillar, pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from them before the people. So what that's, the lesson in that is, he didn't take it away, both day and night. That's like we are today. We're sealed. Now, they, until they reached Canaan, until they got into the temple, this was what, what happened, like we've, we just talked about Passover. The clouds leading them. God is not going to let the nation of Israel go into Canaan with all this murmuring and all this complaining and all this unbelief and all this. The Holy Spirit is not going to lead them into Canaan to the promised land. So the, so that this pillar of cloud and the cloud at night is walk, just walking around, just walking around, just walking, leading 750,000 men besides the men, besides the women and children, besides the proselytes, which are non-Jews. And they're just wandering 40 years, 40 years. You can see the picture. By fire by day, I'm by night, cloud by night. I'm cloud by day, fire by night. And they're just following, following that whole, that's a whole lot of people. That's a million people, folks. Just traveling, just traveling 40 years. And when it came time for the feast days, Passover, it would just stop. And Moses knew, okay, it's time to erect the tabernacle. They would put the tabernacle, if you look at the first picture, the, the long picture I gave you, I've, I've got it right here. Let me see the one you got at the bottom. Yeah, this one. Yeah, that one. The, the smaller one. That is, the, that is an actual replica of the tabernacle. They even got it today. It's a park. It's called, you can look it up, it's called Timna Park in Israel. They have erected an exact replica of the tabernacle that these Jews erected when they went to meet God, when God went to meet them. If you Google it and you go search it online, look up Timna Park. It's a huge park that's in Israel and they've got an exact that exact replica there at it. If you look at the other pictures, the colored ones, you'll see what's inside of the of the of the tabernacle. It's real important when we understand the the, the elements of it. It's a portable to earthly dwelling that's that's a place where Yahweh can meet with the people. They could not meet with the, the, the people could not get in there and see him and see only the high priest. They would erect the tabernacle. The veil would be put up. And a lot of people don't understand the veil. It, it, this is exactly what was put in the temple. The veil of the temple or the veil of the tabernacle, 30 foot wide, 30 foot high, four inches thick. And the only person that was allowed behind that veil was the high priest. Outside in the courtyard of that tabernacle, if you look at the inside of it, you'll see the elements there that they come up with. The basin for washing the hands. That basin is where the priest would come in and he would have to wash his hands and get all clean before he took the sacrifice and go in and meet with God. And uh, then it's amazing. We'll cover this a little later too because I want to show you that on a video. Behind that veil... It's the Ark of the Covenant. On top of the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat. And the two, they were, the, the two cherubs were sitting there just like that. And they were put, that's where he would, the priest just shaken would place the blood sacrifice on the mercy seat. And God would come down and accept it or reject it. He always accepted it because Moses declared, sanctify yourself. 
And these were the feast days. These were convocations. Convocation is where the entire nation of Israel, even today, when they call these feasts, they call it convocations. That's when the entire Jewish... So you can... They, the Passover, the Day of Atonement, Feast of Unleavened Bread, these are all ordinances that God commanded. But throughout the year, people, when they did wrong, when they needed forgiveness, when they did, they, they did something to a brother, they stole, they, when they had fault, the priest was constantly taking their sacrifice and going behind that veil and offering it for their cover to, to remove plagues from them, the leprosy and all. So they didn't just have, uh, have sacrifice and, and all on feast days. These were ordained and commanded that they have them to honor God. These, God says, well, let's, let's look at it. Let's go to Leviticus. Chapter 23. And I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth because I'm, because it's outside of what God says, these are my feast. You're doing this for me. You're doing this to honor me. But all these other sacrifices, you're doing it to cover yourself. Okay. I'm not covering feast this morning. I'm covering Sinai where all of this was ordained, all of this was set up, and, and it's through the history of the Jewish nation. It, 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 it started right there on Sinai with the Exodus. Leviticus chapter 23, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord. See that? It's the feast of the Lord. It's not, it's not for, for purifying. The, the, the only one that God commands is the Day of Atonement, where there's, where there's convocation. Okay, the verse, let's keep going. The, the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feast. A holy convocation is when they blow that trumpet, when they know that day is coming, when Passover comes, Jews migrated to that, to the, to Jerusalem. They, they all came. That's a holy convocation when it's ordered that they have to by law. God ordained it. Okay. Six days shall work be done. The seventh day is the Sabbath rest day. A holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath for your Lord's dwelling. Here we go. Then I'll jump back to the part of the lesson we're at. These are the feasts of the Lord. Even holy convocations which you shall proclaim in their seasons. As everyone's got a specific time, a specific date of it. The fourteenth day of the first month, even the Lord, it's the Lord's Passover. It's the Lord's Passover. This is so people can get down and the kids say, what are we doing this for? I'll tell you why. Because God out of a mighty hand led us out of Egypt. He's parted a Red Sea and He delivered us out of Egyptian bondage and He's a great God. He's a holy. This is to, to teach kids and, and generation after generation and to renew the spirit in your heart that, that what God did and what He can do, and the power that He's got, and the, and, and the, the, the greatness He is. He's a great God. And when we, when it's like that in our own life. It's good to go back. I remember the time I knelt at an altar and I accepted Christ in my life. I remember that time. I remember the day. It was a Thursday. It was the last night at camp back in 1976. And I remember, I, I remember when I knelt. Every now and then I got to go back and say, I didn't deserve it. Do you remember the day when you when it happened to you? Do you actually remember it? It's good to go back and renew and say, Oh God, that's a great miracle you performed on my life. I could have died and slipped into eternity lost. I remember, oh God, it was it's such a great day. 
And, and, and we ought to look back and reflect. And that's what God has, these feasts are set up for this whole nation. And so you can remember and teach your kids what, how great I am. God's not some prideful thing. Up there. Yeah, I want all this glory. He just wants you to know he can provide. He can do you make a way. He can give you power and strength when needed. He can give you grace and help in time of need. He can work on your heart and change you. And you can win another soul. He, he's a powerful God. and We can't live, go make it through this life on our own. It's impossible. We're in a battle. We're in a dogfight against Satan. And he wants more than anything but to distract us so that we can't win somebody else. And his goal is to, to make you doubt, to make you fear, to make put sin in our lives so that we are separated. But we need to keep focused and keep God number one in our life every night. Don't take a night and go by that you don't say, God, I don't deserve it, but thank you. Forgive me for how I failed today. And just say, Lord, let me wake up tomorrow and I'll do better. Let me wake up tomorrow. I promise you I'll do better. Don't make a vow if you can't keep it. But I promise you I'm going to try hard. Watch my mouth, Lord. Watch my, watch my heart, Lord. Protect me. Put the hedge around me. Protect my family. Bless my pastor. Bless my church buddies. Let me tell you something. There's more to pray for and be thankful for than sit there and complain and murmur about every little thing that comes across. And I'm not on that here. I'm just saying that these feasts that God has set up are so that we can just look at Him and say, thank you so much for being such a great God. And I'm going to have to keep, keep going a little bit. I just get so excited because I'm so unworthy. None of us are worthy. There's not a thing that we can do in our life that deserves the grace and love that Jesus Christ gave us when he shed his blood on that cross. And we just let it slip sometimes instead of, oh, why did I do that? Why did I say that? You know, if we're in tune with God and our lives are clean, if you've got a need and I'm clean, God's going to bring you to my heart and I'm going to pray for you. You might not even know it. And, and he does that. He, the Holy Spirit works. David's been preaching on the Spirit. We don't know where it's going to come, when it comes. But if we're not clean and ready, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss an opportunity to intervene for somebody. Okay, let's go. In the 15th day of the same month, verse 6, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I don't want to get on the feast because we've already, we've done two years on those. But let me, uh, get going here. The tabernacle is also called the tent of the congregation. Now I'm going to show a video next week on this and it's going to show how you come into the tabernacle. And there's a narrator coming in and he's going to explain all these pieces of it. The reason why it's important to me is because it was on Sinai. Mount Horeb. We're studying the mountain. Mount Sinai. So you had the burning bush. Okay? You had the Ten Commandments. You had the building of the Ark of the Covenant. You had the construction of the tabernacle, how it's built. The reason, and they took these elements and they took these, this outline and they took this pattern and they, they used tabernacle clean on up to Solomon when he built the temple. And so when they built the temple, what you, what was in that temple, that tabernacle was exactly how they tabernacled with Christ in the wilderness for 40 years before they reached Canaan. It is just set up that way. And, uh, so we're gonna, we're, I don't have time to, to get on it today.
In fact, I'm not going to be able to finish. But uh, okay, here we go. Let's go to. Uh, I'm not going to be able to go there. I'm out of time. But we're going to talk more about the Ark of the Covenant. It's such a prized thing. The mercy seat. The mercy seat. Just think about it. Where somebody like me is so undeserving could come before a holy God and find mercy that we do not deserve. We don't deserve a bit of it. We can find grace and help in our times of need, in our times of trouble. That mercy seat is supposed to be, it's a, it's a forerunner of the blood of Christ when He shed on Calvary. And He went one time to God and said, died for the sins of the world and placed His own blood in heaven for me. Why would He do that? I can figure out a lot of things, but I can't figure that, brother. I just, I just can't figure it. I'm gonna have to close. And I hope, I'm looking forward to, to you teaching some more. I love hearing you teach. I learn every time I'm under your teaching, brother. That's a, that's a, that's a good man right there. That's a good man. I've, I've, I've served with him my entire life, Christian life, actually. But come back and hear him teach. I didn't mean to get all emotional today, but when I start thinking about that mercy seat, it, it gives me chills from the back of my spine to the sole of my feet. Because I don't deserve an ounce of it. But it's there for free. Don't cost me a thing. All I got to do is say, Lord, forgive me of all I've done wrong. Cover me with your blood and I can approach. Just like that. There's one mediator between God and man. That's the man Christ Jesus. And He's made the way. He's paved the way. And it's free. <laughs> you listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.